Welcome to Two Sides to the Story with Ted and Lori. I'm Ted Zaleski. And I'm Lori Hirstetter. As normal, we are at Exploration Commons recording this episode. Uh, we have a guest this evening, and it's an employee of Exploration Commons. So it's a, a rare opportunity not only to talk about things related to our show, but also to uh, Exploration Commons itself. Um, you probably already know that it's got a studio. Obviously, we've been here and recording episodes for four or five months now. This is number 21. This is episode 21. And all of them have been recorded here in one way or another. Uh, the first one was a live event uh, that had a lot of technical support. And then we started recording in this booth. But we didn't do it alone. And we couldn't have done it alone because neither of us had a clue at that point of how to record an episode. So with us today is Joe, who is a staff member of Exploration Commons. He has been with us since the first episode that we did on our own. And so this is gonna be called The Joe Show. And Joe is gonna talk with us a little bit about Exploration Commons and about reading. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Lori. Uh, this is wild considering this is like the first uh, talk show I've officially been on. So that's <laughs> really, really wild considering my demeanor. Um, but I'm very honored. Um, it's quite a privilege to be here, and uh, honestly, it's kind of kind of wild to see how, like, starting off podcast and now 21 episodes later, I'm on the podcast. So, kudos <laughs> on that one for a 21st episode. Awesome. I'm only sorry that it took us 24 episodes to get this done, because we definitely could have involved you sooner, but we may not have had as much to talk about, because there are so many things for us to talk about. This is true. Okay, so let's start by um, a little background. And this is Exploration Commons at its start. Ted, you have a bit of a story to tell about that. Tours when getting ready to open this up. And I was taking a tour with the then, I don't know, is Candace the manager? Or, mm -hmm. uh, Candace is the manager, yeah. So the then, the then manager, Jen Bishop. And we got to the recording studio. And she's saying to me and a few other people in the in the group, and people will be able to record podcasts here. And then she points at me and said, looking at you, Ted, because she knew I had been thinking about some things. Still at that point, we didn't know this was going to happen yet, though. Yeah. And now, 21 episodes later. So beyond that first night, and not that she inspired the idea, but it may have given you a little push to make it happen. Um, we made it happen with a lot of help from... CMC, Exploration Commons, um, the Carroll County Public Library. And when we came in here the first time to record an episode on our own, we had no clue. How to turn it on, how to hit record, how to press, press stop. What do you do when you mess up and you need to go back? There, there was no, we had no idea. And that's when we met Joe. So um, can you tell us, Joe, beyond recording podcasts, helping people record podcasts here. What other things um, happen here at Exploration Commons? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, helping people out is one of the most integral things that we do, um, especially given this exact case scenario being perfect is in like a group that wants to come in and has an idea in mind and something they want to do, but don't know where to start or how to start. 
uh, we give a great foothold uh, to begin. And whether it be full on in depth, you know, showcasings like you two have had here and be able to get up on your own feet or just a good suggestion. Uh, sometimes just getting a second opinion is all someone needs to reaffirm their idea or to give them enough uh, to move forward. Uh, another big thing we do is we teach on those topics and classes that we offer from all sorts of uh, various topics um, and for all people in different walks of life, which is great. Uh, but it also, in my opinion, provides a great place, uh, not only just for starting points, but for just exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, realistically, this is a space that's offered to people of the community that, frankly, have not seen a lot of tech like this, whether they be young children, teenagers, or retirees. And even if they have seen the technology out there on news articles or college campuses, um, the expectation to be able to have that equipment accessible is a whole different boundary and threshold uh, that they usually don't get anywhere else like they can here. And so having the experience to come in, to see the tech, to talk with people who are experienced, um, and frankly, even learning ourselves as staff on the equipment more so every day through our own experimentation and through the people who are losing it in different ways than we expect it to be. uh, It's just a great common ground. Yeah, you know, Joe is a very shy and quiet guy, but we're going to try <laughs> to get him to talk. Does he remind you of anybody else on the show? <laughs> yeah, you talked about equipment. Uh, can you just mention some of the equipment that's here? Uh, absolutely, sure. Uh, so first and foremost, a lot of people that are you know coming into the space always think about 3D printers. Uh, we have a lot of 3D printers of different varieties, um, You know, whether it be just our, our Prusa machines that we have out there, which we have six of them, um, our Pro 2 Plus 3D printer, which is our largest one we have on site. Um, and then our newly uh, acquired uh, AnyCubic, which is a resin printer, which I'm hoping will not be the last one of those that we get. Uh, however, for me personally, I think the biggest thing that I could possibly push for is our laser engravers. Um, they are by far, since we've opened, the most uh, attractive asset we have on the makerspace side of things. Um, we've done certification classes for groups about of six to eight in size, and they have filled up every time we have ran them. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to run them a lot more frequently. We've gotten to the point now where they run them twice a month, um, but even so, those numbers continue to fill to the point where we made an online alternative for one-on-ones, people who couldn't make the classes, and those still fill up uh, very frequently. So uh, people to come in and use a very high-end machine to make their engravings and just to try stuff out, it's it's for the at cost of nothing except for what you're buying uh, to use on the machine is incredible. It's somewhere that you're just you're not getting anywhere else right now. You know, another very popular thing here is the commercial kitchen. Yes. And they have classes and they put them out to sign up and they sell out in 30 seconds. Yeah, it's, it's, the, the turnaround for those has been uh, an insane. And it was so weird from a hiring standpoint because I had never been in te- integrated into the library system even much as a kid. Mm. Uh, I was never around for it much. So when I was like reading over the job descriptions um, and they were talking about like, you know, uh, oh, you're going to be handling like, you know, 3D printers and laser engravers and other equipment. They mentioned the teaching kitchen. Mm-hmm. And in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to fit like, you know, I'm thinking like HOMAC, like, you know, right. high school, like small, like maybe maybe like somewhat modern kitchen people are fitting in to make like, you know, half sized apple pies on a Friday or something uh, or chicken tendies. But like, you know, you're getting back to it. And now I look, I came down here and I was astonished. It looks like master chef back there with all the equipment that they have. And uh, as Ted mentioned, it's, it's by far for what we have, it's our most popular asset. 
um, in the space period. The classes have filled per- persistently since we've opened every time, literally like a radio show tickets. Uh, you know, nine, o- 9 o'clock they open, 9.01 they're closed. Classes of all varieties, and the kitchen staff really can't be praised more for um, the amount of creativity they've put into the, the stuff they come up with, whether it be recipes or conjoint classes with our side of things on the makerspace mm-hmm. or just in, just out of the you know, wild left field, uh, just classes they come up with. You mentioned earlier about the cost of materials. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing to mention is that this is accessible to, it's really, if you've got financial limitations, I would love a commercial kitchen. It's not happening. It's not in the budget, but you can come here and be able to use some of the equipment that it will allow you to use that and experience that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with what you're talking about on the laser printers and things. I mean, I can't even imagine the cost involved to do that. And really the the cost to participate in these programs are minimal yes yes absolutely so that's the best part about our space specifically as you mentioned it's, it's very accessible on a, not only for what is available but on a price point mm-hmm. um, all you pay for in the space period is consumables uh, there are class fees depending on the class and usually for the kitchen ones they have it but they are simply to reimburse what we buy for the class so all you're paying for is you're not paying the instructors so to speak you're just paying for you know the apples the sugar the you know whatever else they bought etc in their ingredients list so most classes range from only five to fifteen dollars a head 20 25 at most compared to classes you'd find other places that could range anywhere from 50 to over 200 dollars right um, for a very honestly in my opinion similar experience uh, as you're taking food home with you it's all instruction led um, there's different like groups you get into you're using you know the highest in equipment we can get our hands on mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's all very robust and good food uh, so it's that's it's definitely worth sign up if you can get into it yeah the food part is you know what you're getting it's it's a product to stick in your mouth yeah right? exactly Every but time. some of the other things that are more hands-on take it home with you type of items can you give us some some of the examples of things that people are making that really blow your mind sure i mean when i first came over i wasn't too sure what to because i'd seen laser engravers in college but i wasn't too sure exactly to the extent of what they could do um, and a lot of stuff it may seem kind of trivial or maybe like on the nose but like just to see it happen is pretty crazy so i remember the first week we opened we had a, a gentleman came in who was using charcuterie boards and he mm. was doing these wooden charcuterie board engravings all morning and a woman came in after him who had also gotten charcuterie boards but the difference was hers had this slate inlay instead of using wood and Mm -hmm. so when the laser engraved on that slate instead it looked entirely different and i was like this looks like like something you'd pay like 200 dollars on etsy for for a personalized charcuterie board of this size the slate inlay and you know even the guy who's doing the wood boards he's like well shoot i gotta go buy some of those because like they they see each other's stuff and they get inspired by it yeah which is really awesome um we had we had one woman try to do uh, uh she did try to engrave a hundred percent cloth clothing wow something i never would have thought would have happened um it was really cool to see the results it varied a lot and unfortunately she found through experimentation they don't last after a single wash which is unfortunate uh, uh, because the fabric just ends up tearing but i mean it, the designs are really cool she had like a black sweatshirt and had this like crazy like an acoustic guitar with roses and it looked like something you buy from going out to a thrift shop or something yeah. i was like this is about to spark a reunion like a, a revolution in here <laughs> this works because custom clothing has just gotten that much better if that's the case but i mean she's still working with them as far as I know. I don't know if she's made much headway, but um, still was astounding stuff to see in terms of just project stuff. You know, in a favor of Lardy's, there is a artist that comes here and he cuts out a series of pieces of paper that he then stacks and makes it an elaborate 
piece of art. Exactly. There's this beautiful thing he did. I, it caught my eye at the, so there was, um, the, the, let me go back. The first day that you were here for the grand opening was December of 2021. So they've now had their annual, you know, first annual event. So on the first anniversary, December of 22, they did a open house makerspace, which was amazing to come in, just be a, you know, a shopper of. Essentially, the room, the big room, was full of all of the things that people have made over the last year. And to see that was incredible. So this gentleman that you're mentioning, um, it was like a lotus flower. And I thought it would have been an amazing gift for my sister. So hopefully she'll listen to this episode because I still might get that for her. Um, And uh, just incredible. The things that you just don't think of until you see somebody else do it sometime and then it sparks something for you. So you were there, not only as a staff member, but you made some things. I made some things. And that's, I think, what speaks to even a bigger part of this aside from just accessibility, but it's the community around it. Like, uh, it was really interesting as a staff member who had only been working here for a year, who had met countless faces who had come in and found the place, whether it be through a tour or had been requesting to use equipment or gotten certified or, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, And then we planned this big event. And at first, we were like, we weren't going to have enough vendors and we were trying to figure stuff out and things got filled up. And for library events in general, uh, not that they're not usually big, but typically, depending on what you get, they, they don't they don't know how to expect the outcome to be, especially for something that's open as this was. Yeah. And um, it, we were slammed. All I swear it was the funnest day I ever worked. It was, it was like, we was like nine, I think, to like, or it opened up, I think, at 10 to two. Mm-hmm. And that expo went on the whole time. And it was so cool seeing all these familiar faces that I'd grown to know over the course of that year, whether very short or very long, almost like, you know, superhero team up with all this like makerspace stuff they were making, meeting each other for the first time, mm-hmm. um, talking about their processes, being inspired by each other, and then the public coming down and being like, whoa, what is all this? And it was a constant flow of people. Um, it was really, really fun. And I'm really excited for the next one to see a whole other you know, section of people come in that are now fresh on the table for their uh, their their projects they've been making for this year. So it's it's really something special for sure. It absolutely is, and just I I'm with you on what does it look like a year from now? You know, just hit the one year mark. What does the two year mark look like? And just the growth of people's talent. Um, this is not our talent. Uh, we are just barely still getting by on how to set up and record a podcast episode, but we have learned a few things from you. We used to need you every episode, every time for the entire thing. And now occasionally we can do one without you, or we can do one and then have to grab you quickly for something, but we're becoming more independent as users. So I imagine you have lots of success stories like that with people that have just grown their their gift, whatever it is, whether they're here for something like a podcast or making something in the kitchen or creating something amazing um, with the laser tools, that um, the growth of what's coming out of the of the shop is is pretty cool, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's like the the biggest thing I can sell is being like someone who's still learning a lot himself in terms of software and you know stuff that like you know hardware that we have and things we have around the space and just in life in general mm-hmm. um the biggest thing i found with it is like you know is is to try your best to not let it intimidate you yes. because the big thing is is like yes you're going to go in there and you're going to have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. everything's going to look a million different ways left and right and it's none of it's going to make sense but when you start to either watch tutorials or better yet just play in there and start to try to make stuff the, the biggest thing i always try to say is if you have an idea that's the best thing because because if you go in and you just like, I want to learn the software, but with no objective, 
you're, you're, you're just dropping into uh, a sea with no direction. Mm -hmm. But if you know you have an objective you want to get to, you at least know you need to do some kind of task and learn how to do that thing specifically. Mm -hmm. So at that point, with the luxury of the internet, you can look up, okay, how do I make this project? How do I do this? Which one you can find people who can share that to you, express that, or you can come here and ask for opinions on that note, mm -hmm. or peers who you know have done it. And they kind of give, give you pointers like, oh, you need to click here to start recording. You need to click here if you want to cut an audio clip out. Because when you know you want to do that thing, you'll be driven to find out more about it so you can learn to make that uh, concept a reality. And in doing so, you're teaching yourself the software. And even if you find problems you can't exactly solve uh, later down the line, you're now familiar enough with it to know that it's not scary anymore. Yeah, and I, I think one of the big things for us is just having the support. Mm -hmm. That if we came in here on our own, I, I don't know how long it would have taken us to figure it out. People get very frustrated when, when they don't know where to go. Yep. And this, you never feel that coming in here. Immediately, someone's there to help. Um, and with not only telling you how to do the mechanics of it, but with ideas. You've shared some things with us that we would not have thought of that we may at some point incorporate into the show. So I'm going to save that creative piece for a little bit later. But what I do want to get into is maybe how we've um, influenced you just a tiny bit, because okay. this is a show about books. And we have not said one thing about books just yet. Nope. <laughs> so let's talk about books. <laughs> yeah, when Joe started helping us, I'm not sure he knew what the podcast was. He just knew we were doing a podcast. You know, so things evolved over time. So that's probably the best place to start is to how do we get there? How do we end up talking to, to Joe about books? Well, he's hanging around here all the time helping us. So. <laughs> right. It was bound to come up. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember now, but I think at some point we just started explaining what the podcast was and the kind of things that we talked about and... Uh, Joe, in his very shy, quiet way, <laughs> said, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. Don't worry. Don't feel bad. He does this to me all the time. Too. It's either about my chattiness or it's about my hair. Yeah, so wait until true. he gets on you about your hair. That'll be next. Listen, I'm, I'm all here to talk about hair. That, work, that works out. I, I'm trying to trying to make it better these days. But, you know, it's it's keeping the style going. Keep up with these kids. But So the, the conversation about the show being about books and the reaction from you, we both about fell on the floor because you said, I don't read. What? <laughs> like you're illiterate? <laughs> no, I don't like to read. And you're a college student. And so what you do is what we call in the show required reading. It's not for fun. It's not for pleasure. You have to. And it may not even be a topic you're interested in. And you're probably not getting to choose the book. Yep. So your perspective was pretty limited of what you can get out of a book because right now it is nothing you are getting out of it what you are required to get out of it what somebody's telling you to do with it not because you want to pick up the book so I took that as an opportunity here we are doing a podcast about books and about reading and you sort of became a project <laughs> <laughs> if you could just see progress. the motion <laughs> work in progress I, I was like all right challenge accepted young man we got some things to talk about so um i thought a little bit i think we talked a little bit we about mm -hmm. your interests what you might like and it was clear to me that we needed something that was along the creative side of things you're a very creative person we needed something short and sweet because you don't have time and it, it almost i 
it needed to be beautiful. I think we talked a little bit about that, like, you know, what you appreciate and what you like, and it needed to be artistic, I think. So we came up with a book. Um, I'm going to go grab it so we can talk more specifically, but Ted, jump in and say a little something about the book we chose because we both love it. It's called The Boy, The Mole, The... Fox and the Horse. Fox and the Horse. <laughs> uh, if you go to the library, you'll probably find it in a section which is kind of personal development and other related things. Uh, Barnes and Noble, you'll find it in their philosophy section. So it's a, it's not a long book or a complicated book, but it gets into some pretty interesting ideas. And as Lori said, uh, there's significant artwork involved and the book actually started with the pictures, the, the words came after. And it's um, been done in from the first book to an, uh, a second version, which is the animated story, because they made a film of it. It's yep. so beautiful. I haven't seen the film, have you? I, I've only seen the snippets, and it was funny because I saw that before reading this. And mm -hmm. then after I read this, I saw it was nominated on the Oscars. And it and was. I was like, I was like, it has to win. I was like, there's no, I, was like, I haven't seen the film yet. I read the book, but it's got to win. And there's actually a third book, sort of. It's a takeoff on this called The Woman, the Cod, the Mink, and the Donkey, I think. Yeah, it's, a, yes, exactly. It's meant to be like, do you know Weird Al Yankovic? Are you too yes. for that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's, it's exactly like that. He takes a song and he makes it something else. They did the same thing with the book. That's so funny. A parody. It's, it's really very cool. So what did you think of the book? You know, it's interesting because like, you know, we talked about, as you mentioned, we talked about the idea and I was like, you know, I, I like pictures and for context on myself, the only books I ever did find of interest when I was younger were animal books because it was like pictures and I liked the facts of them. Um, but as I've grown older, you know, I, I do really like me a lot of good, you know, metaphorical intrigue and, you know, self-reflection. Mm. And so to your point, you know, you're talking about how you wanted something that was artistic. Uh, you know, I, I really do think the book in itself is very much, and the best way I can describe it is an art form. Um, it is. It's, it's very, very poetic. And it's, it's, it's really cool. We'll get into it a bit later, but how it, it kind of tied in with my views and thoughts on the next one that I got into that you all got me doing. Um, but it's, it's, it was a really great read and it was nice because to your, to your point, it was, a, and as the book explains, uh, which I really like at the front, it was very nice for someone like me is there's really nowhere, there's no start in this book. You right. can pick it up, you open it up in the middle open a page. and you, you know, you open up at the back, you start there, you can read it any way you want to, regardless, uh, it's narrative and really it's just messages stay the same. Uh, and I, it's a lot of, you know, kind of modern stuff. A lot of people are like trying to, you know, put out their perspective and inspire many people. And, yeah. I, and I find it endearing at the same time. It's also very overwhelming that everyone wants to inspire everybody. So everyone's just getting endless inspiration <laughs> so all the time. <laughs> and it's a lot where this one, there was a lot of that in a very delicate manner um, mm -hmm. that I think is, has a lot of good undertones to where it's like, this can be taken at face value, or you can do yourself a favor and do some, you know, self-inspection on yourself or situations. If you, you can pry as deep as you want. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book gives that utmost, uh, you know, disclosure at the beginning to where like, you know, you get as much as you want of this book out of what you need, whether it be the middle, the beginning, the end, one page, all pages, it does what it, it you know, it wants to do and it does it great. So definitely I'm happy with it. Yeah. It's something to uh, be before we started, you mentioned that you had 
noted a few things that you liked from the book. Do you um, remember what any of those were? So I, I know I, I wrote down ones for the next one. I don't think I have them in check. For this? I'll, I'll look specifically. While you're looking, I'll bring up something that uh, I don't know that we've talked to you about, Nancy Pearl. But Nancy Pearl is someone that Ted loves, introduced me to her. So now I love her. You've interviewed her. Um, she's the most famous librarian in the world. Um, she has a, a, what are those called? The little bobblehead. She's got a figure. She's got like an action, action, action figure. Figures. Yeah, she's got an action figure. How librarian. many librarians have an action <laughs> figure? That's how amazing she is. Well, she introduced this concept in one of her books, because she's got lots of them, about the types of books there are. And it breaks into categories. Not your typical nonfiction fiction, but it gets into um, different categories. And one of which is characters. Are you driven to read a book that is heavy on character content? Another one would be scenery, like you need mm -hmm. a visual image of an amazing world. Okay, so back to characters. I love that this book focuses on just a couple yep. main characters and their personalities are so different. So you can't help but read this book and who do I identify with? Yep. Who am I most like or least like? So I'm just curious, perspective from your standpoint did that stand out to you and who are you most like uh it definitely did i i think that it's it, it's and to your point you put it greatly where it gets in each of those characters nicely and to to my point forward with it as well i think it does it in a way that at least i haven't seen in other sources of media like i haven't read many books being all the two that i've read recently that i have knowledge of now mm -hmm. um but it, it does it in a way that i i if it felt very unique and i think that's what gave the book such uh, prowess when it hit the market uh, because it wasn't like you know not that it, it, this is bad at all either but like you know like in Dr. Seuss usually they set up kind of like you know little synonyms between a character and a situation yeah and you know they give the good you know rhyme and you know little little tidbits in there too to explain a scenario and why one character can't do something mm -hmm. whereas this one it doesn't really do that it, it, it sets up more of like this kind of these subtleties uh, with each of these characters that explains, you know, different motives, changes, um, and scenarios rather than just this character can't do something. Right. Um, it's more of like this is, you know, why these characters need to be in the scenario together, yeah. uh, which is really cool. Um, I think identification-wise, it's it's been a minute, but I, I think I'd probably... I'd probably go with the boy, um, just because I do. I he strikes me as the one with the most intrigue as to what's happening, and yes. um, I, I'm always one to you know ponder questions a good bit. Mm -hmm. And so for me to see that and try to pull out deeper meaning or understanding of a situation, um, or maybe not feeling totally you know, upright of my own accord on a decision, it's cool to see like you know that perspective being shown for different characters um, and, and played around with. Um, so that's what I probably get for my answer. For yeah, that. I like that. So on to the second book, maybe? Sure. Okay. So once we got you to read the first book successfully, you could have told us the pound sand. I mean, truly, you could have just said, this is not for me. I'm not interested. But not only did you like it, I could tell that you liked it. Like yeah. you were ready for another book. So Ted, because I didn't pick the second book, he became mm -hmm. your project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for around. yeah, so I don't even know that story because I think the two of you were trying to maybe surprise me a little bit with it. And I picked up on some body language and I said, all right, Ted, what's up? So fill me in and fill the audience in on the gaps there. How do we get to book two? Yeah. So Lori said earlier that uh, Joe was a project for her. <laughs> <laughs> the most endearing way. Yes, I, 
I am, I am here to be projected. I, I, knew, <laughs> I just knew you were a reader. I just had to find him in there somewhere. So get that. <laughs> so the, the first book was, was done, and I was pretty sure I knew what Lori would want the second book to be. A book <laughs> you that, think you know me, huh? <laughs> Uh, a book we both both read and enjoyed and has come up, I, I can't even guess how many times. Since, At least a half dozen. Since we, we read it. Um, it's a book called uh, The Little Prince. Shares a lot with um, the boy, the mole, etc. Et uh, art is an important part of it. It's not a complicated or long book, but there are very interesting and maybe sometimes profound things in it. So I, I said to Joe, okay, I know your second book. Don't tell Lori you're reading this. Just read it. And you're done. You can say, oh, I read The Little Prince. But uh, Lori couldn't let it sit. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to explain to her what was going on. So the, we, we lost the surprise. <laughs> but I suspect Woo. that she's still... Pleased that this was your second book. Were you planning to reveal this during the episode that I would be totally in the dark and then you just be able to say, guess what? We have to tell you today. That was Is, my plan. Was that your plan? <laughs> That's a, a surprise episode. We we're going to spring it all on you and then you'd have no script and it would have been wow. all off. Wow. Well, I felt like I a failed real, horribly. I feel like, a, <laughs> I feel like a heel. I should have just ignored the body language. I'm like, something's up. Those two just gave each other a really weird look. Something's happening and I should have just left it there and instead I said, Ted, what's going on? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, we've told you the titles the books we haven't said the authors um the boy the mole is charlie mackey and the little prince and i hope i say this right because it's a french name uh antoine de saint expure i will put <laughs> it in the mean. show notes so people can easily find it so the second book once ted got you going um you said this one you made some notes on i did um i will say it first and foremost is it's it's kind of been an interesting experience at least these first two because if i was like a parent and like i was like i need to read a book to my kid that would have been what i would have thought of but as an adult going into a bookstore or a library i would not have thought that this is a book for me um, which i think is really interesting considering the book's message um so uh, the big thing that it does so well that I thought was a really interesting point. I think the boy, the fox, the mole also kind of gets into this a bit, which is why I think they kind of connect with each other, um, is there's a big disparity between a child's perspective mm -hmm. and an adult's perspective. Uh, and it was really just kind of interesting to me being a young adult who, you know, never really saw himself as like, you know, I, I know I've matured over the years and there's like things I would change in decisions and stuff. But like I told my younger self, I do this differently. Um, but now like getting to this point, you really don't realize how far your perspective shifts, um, you know, with or without your knowledge. And so for me, a couple of quotes kind of stuck with me. Um, and I think I forget which I labeled some of the chapters, some ones I didn't do it, but uh, one of them was, but of course, those of us who understand life couldn't care less about numbers. Um, that was one that I liked a lot. Um, another one was, I didn't know where to reach him, uh, where to find him. It's so mysterious, the land of tears. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that that's a very, like with consoling people, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who've gone through some really hard stuff and family too. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to find answers in that. So, yeah. you know, you try to be something to remedy uh, that cause, but realistically, you, you, you just can't. Um, you can only really be there in the moment with them. Um, 
Another one was one must command from each what can, each can perform. Um, so I like that a lot in terms of like expect what this person can do to their expectations and play to their strengths, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then this one was more of a one that came um, later when I read it. It wasn't really a quote, but it was more of a thought that I had. Uh, and it was one that I was with the businessman concept when he was visiting planets. Mm-hmm. Um, and for context, for those who haven't read it, uh, pretty much he tells a story to a crash pilot and how he ended up on Earth and traveling through different planets in the solar system or from star to star, so to speak. Uh, but he went to one planet where it's just a businessman on there. Uh, and I thought it was personally interesting um, how the chapter highlights that the ownership of items is uh, being mutually beneficial uh, to the little prince in comparison to only being beneficial to yourself as the businessman. So where he's like, you know, the businessman's like, I own the stars because they have value and I you know, write down their numbers because the numbers have value. Whereas uh, the little prince is, I own a rose for the sake of the rose's benefit because it benefits me to have it, um, you know, and it benefits the rose that I water it. So it's like, you know, showing that ownership kind of perspective I thought was really interesting. You know, and you're saying, um, I had a thought. I was reading, yeah, not from the book, but I had a, had a thought. Uh, we didn't have that in our notes to, to go there, but I, I like that you said that because not every book, but in, in, in many books, you know, I, I think, you know, the really good thing is that it makes you think something. It takes you someplace that you didn't go by by yourself and probably if i was to start building a list of books that i really like i think we'd probably find a lot on that list that i would say oh it made me think about something yeah and i think that's where that like prerogative comes in because both those books and at least to this extent and i again i'm i'm very much just dipping a toe into book verse, but like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's cool to have that kind of, you know, you're at one moment you're reading something and you're just reading it. And the next moment you're like, well, wait a minute, that hit a bit different. Um, which was really interesting. I found with this book, uh, honestly, even like into a point where the narrative kind of pulled me in, in the way it was telling that story, uh, which is really interesting. Um, and it was funny enough because even when I wasn't reading it, it kind of came back to me. I went over to, uh, as I wrote down, I wanted to talk on it because, um, it was, it's just interesting. Uh, but for context, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with, um, you know, two things and one being weird, crazy animals and dinosaurs and the other being Thomas the Tank Engine. Ah. And so I remember I'd always would play with train sets and my grandfather swears every time I see him, literally every time that I can name every single one of them and all this stuff and it blows his mind. Um, but I was playing with them. I remember every time we'd set up a bunch of train sets and stations and, you know, kind of elaborate tracks and just play with them for hours. Uh, and I came over to my folks place for Easter and my cousins have little kids. So they were coming over and my mom likes to go above and beyond and make sure that they have enough entertainment to last them two weeks, <laughs> despite it being only four hours that they're going to be there. Um, so she had me set up a train set for my old stuff in the basement. Nice. And I was looking at it and it has like, we had a train table and it had like a picture map of the stuff. And then I had all these railway pieces that I was making and I was putting it together and I was sitting there and I was like, why is this so hard? Like I was like trying to like think like, oh, cool. It'd be cool if a bridge came over here and then this went over the river. But then like there's a road here, so I should put a stop sign. And I realized midway through it that I was applying a lot of adult rules to something that mm. I never had rules for before. Like, yeah. The train can't cross the road because that would hit cars. So I have to put a stop thing here and make a bridge for it. I'm like, when as a kid, there was no road. 
I could just put it wherever I wanted to. And I was like thinking back to the book where it's like, you know, adults are, as he mentioned it several times, adults are strange because they yes. add all these rules for no reason. Um, and they do all these crazy weird things. Whereas the, the childlike perspective in me would have been able to make a really nice train track that would have had required no crazy thought for it, um, which I thought was interesting. So I want to go back to Thomas the Tank Engine for a second here. So that was part of a show called the Shining Time Station. You watched I did, yeah, right? plenty of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so really important question here. Ringo Starr or George Carlin? Oh, good gracious. <laughs> so uh, important. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this would be the throwback I'd have today. Um, <laughs> I think I'd have to go with Ringo. I just I always liked his name. So, that okay. so for those who don't know the show, there was a, a character called The Conductor. And it was at one time, a time played by George Carlin, who were yeah. very different sort of Yeah, people. very, very different actors for the role. But I, because uh, Ringo was the original, right? He was, I he think was, so. Yeah, yeah, it's just something about the the, the the 19, late 90s Thomas was just like the best thing I could have on planet Earth for that. And, <laughs> and I look back to where it was today and I'm like, you know, I'm like, this isn't Thomas. I'm like, they're all, their mouths are moving. Their mouths aren't supposed to move. They're <laughs> supposed to sit still. I mean, you can't be having them animated. This is sacred. You know, set up a train set, stop motion, get the smoke coming out. I'm like, you crash the Railways over and the change, the faces change. I was like, that was that's what made this show so magic. Um, but you know, it's it was it is what it is. But my mom still has like all the stuff I used to keep. We have so much train stuff. It was a mess. But you know, it was interesting that the book came up during Easter. I was like, I'm not even reading. I was like, what, what's going on right now? But, I think we've wandered off a bit here. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? We're chugging along. We got <laughs> off track. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Do you like that? It was good. It was yeah, good. that that was pun intended. So um, it's funny you say, <laughs> I can't get back. I got to get back, on, yeah, track. back they, on track. Yeah, Ted has a habit of coming up with the zingers. He asks the questions when we interview authors that like, I've never been asked that question before. And in some mild way, he just did that with you. The Ringo thing, that just was like, who would have thought? <laughs> so wait, wait. You need to be prepared. I'm glad I was ready. I was, like, so I was like, I was like, I had to hold through because I'm terrible with names, but the, the credits riddled every time. So I, that worked out. So we were sharing with you before we started recording tonight that we just did an episode where I interviewed Ted. Yes. And next month we're going to flip the script and Ted is going to interview me. I am all kinds of worried about what that's <laughs> going to go like. I don't know what you're going to head my way, but you are known for the zinger questions. I, I bet there's going to be one. Is this where I do the evil laugh? <laughs> yes. Sinister. It up. He's doing this with his hands. We had a soundboard. I, I put one of those You on put there. a little yeah. sound in there. We do have to add that to the show at some point. We don't have music yet. That is something yeah. we need to work on. It's being publicly recorded uh, for someone of no name, for someone who won't be named, that we need music for this podcast, both an intro and an outro. Oh, he knows. He knows I want him to make music for the well, show. Well, now the fans know. Now the fans know. <laughs> we're, we're definitely not going to re release any emails or anything they can get stuffed into. You heard it, son. It's time. <laughs> He does not watch the show. He does not it's listen content. to the show. He'll never see it coming. No one's going to tell him it. that I just called him out to make me music for my son, for my show, kid. <laughs> so good. So one thing I would like to go back to, and this was, um, you know, your epiphany while you're working on trains in the basement with your family of drawing a connection into your real world from something that you got from a book. Mm -hmm. um, in my mind, that that's why I read. Because... We've had a very general conversation with the audience about reading for pleasure, reading for purpose, and it's just not that simple. And that's something Ted taught me, actually, because if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, what do you read? I read nonfiction. I read with a purpose. I am after knowledge. I want to learn something. I go for that and I get out. 
It's that simple. And that is no longer the case. I recommended a book to you that you might think has absolutely no purpose. It's for pleasure, but you incorporate it somehow into your life. It's just finding the right books for you. Um, I'm not going to recommend a book every time that you're going to love. You've got to find the one for you that works. You've given me like three or four nuggets today of what I would recommend to you next, but I think you're going to be at the point very soon where you're picking your own because you've learned enough about what you like to go hop upstairs after a shift one day and just peruse the shelves. And I, I think you might surprise yourself as to what might be of interest to you now. You know, that fiction, nonfiction thing. Uh, next week, we're going to be interviewing John Waters. Yes. And he has a quote that is relevant to that idea of fiction and nonfiction. And where, you know, some people will say, well, I don't read fiction. I, I, I want real stuff. I want the truth. I want important things. And I won't get it right, but John Waters has a quote where he says something along the lines, um, you don't think fiction is the truth, stupid? <laughs> <laughs> he gets pretty creative in his language of, of some things. So, yeah, it, that should be an interesting interview, I would imagine. Well, I think there's a lot of, you know, I think it gets back to these books. It gives a yeah. lot of perspective on those. I mean, it's a lot of introspective. And it, obviously it takes, you know, sometimes certain, you know, personalities to be able to unpack that and, and understand that for what it's, you know, not that it's intended for, but to, to take that and put it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, the book is a lot of good call-outs for a lot of, you know, things that as you grow, sometimes you just don't really quite grasp is happening to you yeah. uh, in terms of your perspective and what really matters, um, you know, in, in perspective to, you know, the mind of a child and how mm-hmm. precious of a thing that is. Uh, so, you know, just get some really good, important points. Which is awesome. And the other thing you said is is about the uh, the obstacles, roadblocks that come. And we've talked about reading roadblocks along the way. But what you learn as a young person from the time you're little to the time you become an adult, you think is all important things that you need to pick up. But in some ways, you lose some good stuff. You lose the inhibition. You lose the, um, the honesty. You know, we, we learn to lie and we learn to find walls for ourselves that stop us from doing the things that we want to do. And you struggle to put together a train set because you're an adult. The kid can do it easily. So it's just that is a great life lesson and why a grown-up can read a children's book and get something out of it. I think as you can re-see to your point, you re you feel the grandeur, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, that's where you know, I'm trying to, and, you know, and even outside of these books, but now even more so because of these books, but to try to reinvigorate, I don't ever be able to rekindle it the way it was before when I was a kid, but I can do my best to give that grandeur meaning and to, to, to try to give myself the wow, because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm doing now that, you know, younger me would be completely awe-inspired that are happening, you know, mm-hmm. including doing something like this. Um, so it's like, you know, seeing that stuff and where it is now, it's like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, going into work, helping out folks and I'm passionate about it, obviously, but who would have thought it would turn into a podcast. So like, if I would have known that what would happen now, back right. then, you know, I have a lot more of a wow factor, you know, but now we're here. So I have that retrospective yes. and can appreciate for where we've come to and, 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 you know, experience that excitement. So yeah. I think it's something big. Yeah, I think this is a good place to say something that I bring up from time to time, um, I'm a big believer that good books are good books. I don't, I don't worry about, is this a kid's book? Is this a young adult book? Is this an adult book? Uh, there's good stuff in all those, those categories. And if you cut yourself off, you're missing out on things. 
Yeah. And that we talked about that briefly in a recent episode where we were saying, you know, is it like, is a comic book a book, a graphic novel, because that was part of the kickoff for Battle of the Books. You know, some people don't think of that as true literature. You've got to read the classics. And we don't put those kind of limitations on the show. You read what you like to read. Um, and if you actually said after the first one, this is just not for me, lady, back off. I would have respected it 100%. No, she would. Yes, I would. <laughs> yes, I would. I'm sure there's one up there. Hold on. I, I'm positive. Just give me another week. I mean, on that on that same note, though, which is interesting from a newer reader perspective, because yeah. uh, before I got into, like, you know, doing these, one thing I did really enjoy a good amount of um, were a bit of audio stories. And they weren't, like, full-fledged novelizations, but a lot of them were short stories yeah. and stuff along uh, topics that interest me. Um you two being as verse book readers as you are, I don't know really if it's a perspective thing or an experience thing. Mm -hmm. um, do you find a big disparity between, uh, you know, listening to audiobooks and having them versus physically grasping a novel and turning the pages and reading them with your own thoughts and experiences versus hearing a narrator? You can go first. Uh, this is something we've talked about a little bit mm -hmm. from time to time. And, I have listened to audiobooks. It's been it's been a long time. I, I still I like to have a, a book in my hand, but I'm not against audiobooks. And it has one big plus is a good narrator can add a lot to a book, particularly when it's the writer who's doing the narrating because you're hearing the book the way they intended you to, to hear it. Mm. When you read it, uh, you don't you don't know how they they meant to say something. Uh, so I, I would never dismiss it, but it's not where I go. I see. So I would say something similar, but two, two pieces for me. One is um, I think whatever gets you to read, do it. And if the only way you're going to read a book is to listen to it, then that's your way. And it might be a time constraint because you don't have time to sit with a book, but you've got to commute and it's a way to pass time when you're driving to work. I have friends that do that. That's the only way they read. In fact, I just had this conversation with an old friend at the gym this morning who I haven't seen in a long time. And that's, I asked her if she was a reader and that's what she said. I'm always on audible because she commutes to work. Makes perfect sense. Um, the other thing I'll say is that I think your learning style can influence what method what vehicle is the right one for you to receive a book? So if you're a very visual person, you may need to see the pages. If you're an, an audio person, hearing it might be better. Whatever is the best way for you to receive it, I think is, is the right way. I don't think there is a wrong way, just like I don't think there are wrong books. Mm -hmm. It's about you, you know, and figuring it out for yourself. I just, I truly believe that there is something out there for everyone and what you gain from it. You know, look at how it's making you think about things in your life right now. I'm so glad that I pushed you a little bit to pick up a book. So finding the right books um, is the key so that you can get something from it. I think there's something to be had for everybody somewhere out there in, in literature. It's just what form does it take? That will be a full episode. I just had this conversation with the director of the library. Andrea and I were discussing some nostalgic things. You were talking about Thomas the Train. She and I are a bit older than you and talking about some things from our, our childhood that have resurfaced and the cool ways that you can become a reader that are not the traditional ways of picking up a book. Hmm. Do you know Teddy Ruxpin? 
I don't may I might know him from name or so, or not name, but from like visuals. Okay, uh, I'm more of a face person. So it's another type of a thing. It's a way to receive a book. It was a cassette that you would stick in a teddy bear, and his lips would move. And his eyes would move and he would read the book to you. So a great way for kids to receive a book who maybe aren't as interested in learning. So we got about a thousand of those ideas that we'll talk about with Andrea on an upcoming episode. Very cool. So go ahead. You had something, Ted? So do you have a third book in mind? That's what I was going to (laughs) ask. Okay. I, I do have a thought. But do you have to? Oh, something? I was asking. I was going to ask him the question. Oh, so that's oh, even better. Awesome. You were going to ask me if I had one to recommend to him. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to ask Joe if he already has in mind the next book he wants to read. We're going to have the time pass. Right? So How was, about that? that was legit. Okay, was let's like, hear it. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, it's, it's, and I'm going to start coining this. Maybe this might have to be one of the shirts. Um, <laughs> I, you, I feel like you two are kind of like my, my, my book sommeliers. You know, like I have to, I have to, like I can, I can walk into a vineyard, but I have no idea where, what, what, what good grapes are and what Just makes the best pour wine. Pour me something you know? good. Pour I mean, me something you'd recommend. I got this kind of palate. You know, what, what, what's the chef's recommendation? So, you know, it's, and for me, honestly, I felt a little more like, you know, it's if I went up there, it's not that it's, you know, obviously it's a little, little daunting, but I know for me, I'd probably be like, all right, well, where's the dinosaur book section? I'll, <laughs> I'll go read up all the new species that have been discovered in the past decade. But, um, you know, and that's something I could do. But now having this knowledge, too, and I will admit I haven't really perused the shelves much. Okay. Um, so I'd say we could either go with one or two options. Either one, if you two have a good recommendation to me. Um, we could pop that in and I will happily go figure out what it is. Or I could you know, strap on my exploration <laughs> gear and go and go venture, venture and go. through <laughs> the, the book jungle of the library that's all of 50 feet away from me um, to, to figure out what, what is in stock and what catches my eye and interest uh, now that I have a bit of an idea of what to go. And I'll be going to the, uh, to the kids section for sure to figure out what's going on. So the Westminster branch of the library is connected by a stairway to Exploration Commons where we're sitting. So he literally can walk out of here, up the stairs and into the library. So I do have, a, I do have an idea. I, I hadn't thought about this until we were just talking here. So I, I'm thinking uh, Moby Dick, Illustrated Vision. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, listen, I'm not even in the book. I know that that one yeah, is. You, know <laughs> you said animals. <laughs> yeah, that was on the table. So that, that is viable. Yep, animals are in the picture here. Uh, so Lori and I did an interview with a writer named Patty Callahan on a book called Once Upon a Wardrobe. And the central idea of this book is there's this little boy who is dying, knows he's dying. You told me about this one. Okay. Yeah. And he read a book that became very important to him. The book I'm thinking about is the book that he he read. Oh, yes. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. It's perfect. Yep. So it's it's more of a book than these are, but it's it's not Moby Dick. <laughs> uh, it's I'd, I'd have to guess how many times I've read it, but I I feel certain it's at least ten times in my life. Um, lot to recommend it. Uh, if if you feel inclined to take it on, I won't say more so that you can just read it and experience it. But uh, I think it'd be a good third book. Now, I will say this would be, it'd be an interesting challenge because this would be the first book I've read that I have seen the movie. Ah. Um, so I would, so I'd have context okay. what the story would be, but I've always heard, you know, the, the, the famous line of, well, the book's better than the movie. 
yeah. uh, for a lot of different sources of media. Or yes. have you read the book after seeing the movie? Um, so for me, that's more of an inclination. On like not like you know, obviously the story. Yes, I love Narnia. Narnia is a great uh, fantasy world. I really thought it's a really great, um, really especially the first movie, just really well done overall. But for a book's comparison's sake, mm-hmm. uh, that might be a good one to, to tack on to the, to the uh, resume. Yeah, so you, are, you already know the story and the ideas, so that um, I, wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about that possibility. So I don't have to worry about spoiling things for you. But yes, um, <laughs> the, the, the book, I almost always believe the book is better than, than the movie. Although the movie was pretty faithful to the, to the book, I think. But um, maybe you'll give that one a shot. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like it'd be a, a good... And to, and to, you know, obviously, piggyback off of this, I already know I like the story. It's just mm-hmm. now, how much do I like the story more when all of it's there? You right, know, that's, exactly. That's the, that's the difference. So, And that is the difference, because the movie cannot possibly really. include all the details. So there's so much that you missed yeah. by seeing the movie. So, yeah, if you enjoyed the movie and movies, then uh, chances are there's something in there. It's, you know, like the Easter egg in the um, the, in the, the movies that there's something you you don't know. Can also throw on some Narnia ambience. I had to find that during oh, the reading. Yeah. I, I can't read in silence. It bothers me. Oh, like, really? Some, you have to have some background noise? I have to have some kind of, you know, either, you know, music or yeah. just, but usually something really ambient, nothing like, you know, songs I, I like, so to speak, but something really like, you know, some kind of way to get my brain, like mm-hmm. my brain just clicks with music. It always has. So yeah. it's just something that like, I can start to get out of, you know, my room and more dug into what I'm actually reading into when there's something that drowns out the noise of, reality i guess so to speak that gets kind of metaphorical and a little dark yeah. but that's you know that's uh that's the way it worked so i guess that's my favorite phrase and i'm gonna just sip this water <laughs> watch that bottle away <laughs> so it's funny this debate that you guys brought up is very common this is not new in fact i'm sure it's been on a t-shirt uh that book is always better the book was better is is i have seen it on book i've seen it on shirts i've seen it on all sorts of related merchandise that the book is better is a common one so T-shirts. I wish I had the list. Over the months that we've been working on this podcast with your help and support, I should have started a little notebook of the list of T-shirt ideas that we have had. Um, I am blank at the moment on what those were. And I think I challenged both of you at the beginning and we're both all three of us not remembering. So we can't rattle off a list for you tonight of all these t-shirt ideas that we have, but we're just going to plant a seed with the audience that if someday we all decide there's a another project beyond the podcast and you helping us to make the podcast, it's going to be a t-shirt company <laughs> with the three of us. <laughs> all in same equity we're all there <laughs> we have had so many ideas of shirts and i don't know that they're all book related but they very well could be because look how something you read there turned into something bigger for you in your life there could be a whole series of these absolutely that are somehow related to books and how they inspire real life things so one thing that could be a shirt that just came up recently we were talking about joe having a podcast of his own yeah and it'd be called if you know Joe. If you know, if you Joe. know Joe. So yes. that could be a shirt. Yes. That'd be a shirt right there. You know, me and a mic. And luckily I could get this characterized with my you know, beard, facial expressions, and glasses. That'd be pretty easy to get stickered. Um, we could do, I know we talked about Ted's Tees being the official name of 
this brand line, which I think just works. Yes. Ted's the most marketable asset I've ever, ever met. Um, but we can <laughs> definitely... If you guys can see the face that Ted just made, don't deny it. It's so true. It works. It just, you're you like, fit the bill. I, just, I don't know how else to say it. I, I saw the shirt. Like that's, that's a man who reads a lot of books. And that's exactly what I want to wear right now. Um, and your shirt was pretty popular. Yeah. Everybody was yes, after everyone the, was team after the, the Ted, Team Ted shirt. Yeah, Team Ted. That, that's the shirt right there we, that you've already made. Right, we already have one of those. We have that, and people special ordered copies of their own. So is my face red now? Uh, <laughs> probably all of us, because we're having entirely too much fun. Yeah. All right, I got, I got one. We talked. This is not one we've talked about, but it belongs on a shirt because it's been such a topic. Is how about Lori's hair? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen my podcast partner's hair? Every time, every time. Oh, oh my! Goodness. Well, this has been a tremendous amount of fun. I knew that it would be. I'm looking at the time. This might be one of our longest episodes because Ted is so talkative. <laughs> talkative Ted. That's the... I take partial responsibility <laughs> for elaborating too much. Oh, not at all. It was enjoyable. I'm I'm so thrilled that you're enjoying reading, not just doing it because Lori made you do it. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you just a quick thing that we've got this pay it forward sort of approach to things. I've got friends that also weren't readers that are now reading. And I've, I've made it sort of a, not a requirement, but a suggestion that pay it forward. So if you really like a book, is there someone that you could recommend it to? Um, if you read a book, not even one that we've given you, but that you end up on your own path, um, go grasshopper, go. Yeah. <laughs> then um, just it, who else in your life would be someone you would want to give a book to so that they could grow in the way that you are not, not for the show, not for us, but just for life, you know, for things that you're looking to figure out and uh, uh, make the most of it. So just a little suggestion. Of Absolutely. Maybe you can think of there as a way for you to pay it forward. And if you do so, we would love to hear about it and have you come back on the show. Yeah, that would be great. You know, another thing you might give some thought to this, another idea just occurred to me, Lori and I have been talking about a first anniversary episode. Yeah. We did our first episode live here at Exploration Commons. We're talking about doing a second live episode mm -hmm. at Exploration Commons. We do to record just a little something about how this all played out for you. you yeah. Know, the, how, how the podcast led you to books. Well, it's an interesting perspective because I, I mentioned on earlier we were talking about how you all started up with it but not how mm -hmm. I kind of like you know I, I kind of took some of my own advice when you first pitched the idea uh, because for the longest time it wasn't that I was intimidated by book reading but I was just like oh that's some a skill someone else has that's mm -hmm. something that I'm just it's just like you know it's not for me it's not something that I, I, I in my brain I think I'd love to do it mm -hmm. but I just feel like I can't uh, and whereas you know you all came in with the, the podcasting knowing you wanted to do a podcast but had no idea as to what you would get the setup would be yeah um, and so for me when I saw like you know you all doing your thing getting set up I was like well I can try this out because they're trying this out so you know it's a it's a good back and forth which is where again the community of meeting people and working with folks down here doing this stuff. It, it you know, breaks a lot of cool barriers that you wouldn't expect it to do. We're yeah. role models. Yeah, you say, there we go. 
Graduates yeah. and other graduates. It all works out. You've helped us. We've helped you. And who knows what comes next, but we'd love to continue to hear about it. Um, and when you say about the anniversary episode, we've talked about, you know, the idea of should that be another live episode? If we do it here, if we have a live episode, then instead of a recording, you absolutely have to come to that show um, because I think the audience would love to meet Joe from the episode called The Joe Show. We won't get to talk, though. <laughs> well, that's okay. My chatty box could use a, a rest. <laughs> take this settle. And then the, 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 our other, other shirt, my edge, pop back up, but the tech angel can take over. For, yes, that for, was for, one of the shirt ideas. Of yes, was, you referred to him angel, very early angel. on as our tech that, angel. That gave me a laugh. That was so funny. Joe, I, I heard are, like tech wizard. I've heard of tech angel was a new one. That was funny. You're most definitely our tech angel, and I consider you a friend, and you have been great about letting us talk your ear off and, and vice versa. And we took some interesting pictures tonight, so you'll see those on Instagram. We got a little creative with the creative space, and uh, you'll get to see Joe. Um, <laughs> can't see his wings, though. can't see my wings. Oh, I bet Candace can make you a pair of wings. Probably real, real they're, quick, they're, I'm they're, sure. <laughs> and for next time, we'll do a tech angel wings. But yeah, yes. got to be sure to like the photos because set the heart and soul into those. So it's what it's all about. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Always is. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can go to our website. We'd love for you to send us an email, two sides to the story at yahoo.com. The second two is a number two. Um, we also are have a bunch of episodes that are coming up. Uh, so stay tuned for that and regular blog posts on the website with book-related articles. We're going to have some good book hunting trips. Uh, there's also a book festival coming up and, of course, Battle of the Books. So we'll have some more details from those events in the weeks to come. Lots of fun. Enjoy your reading.